We've had situations like Floyd Mayweather situation. All of those are so critical because if I make 911 call and I'm in an incident, if police isn't arriving on time, that could be a big problem. Hey there, welcome to the Deep Dive Lab. Each episode, we'll sit down with experts and thought leaders to get a glimpse into their world. We'll take you on a journey behind the scenes to explore all the different industries from tech to business, healthcare, and design. I'm your host, Jacintha Kurniawan. This week, we have Madison Diaz. Madison is currently the vice president of sales at a GovTech company called Envisio where he grew from being the company's first salesperson seven years ago. And he oversees go-to market strategies, business development, new business and upsell revenue, and strategic partnership programs. He is a proud and active member of the vibrant global GovTech and Vancouver startup company, consulting, advising, and mentoring founders and go-to market leaders of early stage companies from seed to series funding. So excited to have you here. Thank you for joining us here on the show. Thanks. Excited to be here. Yeah, awesome. So today we will explore the world of GovTech. Before we dive deep, very curious to hear about your story. How did you end up in GovTech? I wish it was a better story than I'll tell, but in all honesty, I started my career at Xerox, which Mm -hmm. was the foundation of how I got into sales and Fast forward a year, I did my own entrepreneurial journey in the health and wellness space. And then I came back to Vancouver and was looking for a SaaS or software as a service opportunity and stumbled upon Invisio. And at the time, they were just starting to work with some public sector organizations working through the product market phase of the technology journey, if you will. And yeah, the stars aligned. I met with the CEO and some of the other co-founders and there seemed to be a a good fit and lots of potential. So that's how I got into it. Not mm-hmm. that intriguing of a story, but it all worked out in the end. But you've been in it for seven plus years, so you must like what you do. I love what I do. Actually, I had an interview today and somebody asked me, what's kept you around in a Vizio for as long as you have? And I just said, it really comes down to three things, right? It's growth from a professional's perspective. Mm-hmm. I've been able to take on more responsibility and just great people. Right. The people we work with are incredible. And I feel a sense of purpose, right? GovTech, I know we're jumping into that today. And I think there's a ability to have a sense of purpose, right? And that you're doing more than just, in our case, selling a solution. It's really about having an impact on the greater good of society. And so that's really what keeps me motivated and excited to go to work every day. And I think that's what <laughs> perhaps has kept me around this long. Yeah, that's a great segue to actually just start the podcast episode, which is, what is GovTech? Yeah, and I think it can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. In terms of just simplifying it, it's really, how do we leverage technology to modernize government? And government can be federal, state, local, and it's really just bringing technology solutions and innovations and putting them in the hands of these public sector organizations so that they can provide quality of service in a more efficient and effective manner. Mm -hmm. Could you give some examples of projects that you're currently working on? 
Sure. I can maybe share a little about what uh, what we do as a company. I also work with a number of GovTech startups that maybe I can jump into and give you some ideation and some innovations that are going on in this sector. But Invisio, that's the company that I've worked for the past seven years, we're really in the field of helping organizations, public sector organizations and governments track plans and performance data and really be transparent with the residents, right? Because what often happens with, and this is typically at the local level, is they're developing and gathering community input on what's important. Is it public safety? Is it infrastructure? Is it a vibrant economy? And all of this gets taken into consideration. And then the city or the county or the municipality itself develops strategies and actions to make that happen. But a lot of that kind of goes unnoticed. And so we're just in the business of helping these organizations be more transparent to the residents and to the constituents and keep everybody informed on where's progress being made? Where are there maybe some hiccups and managing expectations around what residents can expect being taxpayer dollars, right? I think there's a need to be aware of what's going on in your community and how they're trying to make your life better at the end of the day. And some of those other Mm -hmm. companies I work with are doing things in the transportation space with government. There's DEI, so diversity, equity, and inclusion. How do we make sure that we're providing a more inclusive and equitable form of government moving forward? And there's technology that's being provided out there in the market to enable local governments to do and governments as a whole. Um, Community engagement, how do we engage with our residents? That's really been very topical for a lot of government organizations. So there's just lots of fascinating GovTech companies that are spurring up and emerging over the past probably three to five years. Uh, And it's just becoming a more common market. And uh, there's a lot of really exciting things going on. Mm -hmm. I want to dive into transparency. So you mentioned it's a more transparent solution. How does it compare to other solutions out there? Yeah, are you referring to Invisio specifically? That's right, yep. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of ways to be transparent with with residents and with constituents. What we focus in is primarily around plans and performance data, but there's lots of technology solutions out there, and there's a need for multiple ways to be transparent, right, around some of the services that governments provide. Is it easily accessible online? Is it Are they being transparent around what the process is? And this can be all the way through from understanding the procurement process of how does our government purchase? It could be anything from consulting services to technology solutions like we're talking about here today, even to understanding how we get water and take care of garbage. And there's a lot of partnering that government agencies do. And so understanding procurement would just be one prime example of of technology and how they're enabling them to be more transparent around the entire process so that all of us know what's going on and what's being worked on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And why do you think it's important to be transparent? Why do I think it's important to be transparent? At the end of the day, we're the customers, right? And when I say we, I'm referring to myself as being a resident of Vancouver, for example. I am basically paying taxpayer dollars and I kind of want to understand what is going on and how can I access services that enable me to have a higher quality of life? And so I think there's a need to be transparent and not to mention the fact that we've just gone through a global pandemic and I know Mm -hmm. it's it's caused polarization 
and I don't even mean to get into politics here at all. I don't think that's the direction that we want to head, but <laughs> that polarization, the only way to combat that is to have a strong understanding of what are these government organizations doing for us? They're in the business of supporting us and making our lives better. And that's what we understand to be it. But we, if we don't know what's going on behind the curtains, we can only come to conclusions through skepticism. And in some cases, what's the word I'm looking for? Conspiracy theories, right? So I think mm-hmm. there's just a need to know what's going on and for governments to be transparent around the good, the bad and the ugly, right? And just keep us well in the loop of what's going on. So I think that's really the need behind it. And essentially, you're trying to build trust with everyone. I remember our previous conversation, you've mentioned that you're really in a trust building industry, which I absolutely love. Yeah, trust is <laughs> in a decline, right? There's been many mm. studies and that have gone out recently over the past couple of years since the pandemic that trust has declined in government. And for good reason, right? There's been a lot of change that's happened so rapidly. And there's a need to rebuild and restore trust. And the, and one way to do that is obviously through transparency. But mm-hmm. it doesn't happen overnight. And it's something that has to be continuously developed and fostered over time. Yeah, for sure. I would love to explore the DEI world. Mm-hmm. Could you share us a little bit more of maybe an example of a case or a project that you're working on just to paint the picture of what you're trying to solve? Yeah, sure. DEI is very topical, whether it's private or public sector, but in, in government, we've had situations like Floyd Mayweather situation. And there's been other examples of that across across the world. In all honesty, I think we're more purview to what happens in North America. Now, despite of this, there's some, in some cases, backlashes from, from the public. And with that, local governments that are taking this stuff really seriously are developing departments focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And there's a need to leverage technology to support some of those initiatives. And so I've been grateful and fortunate enough to actually work with, and there's one company in particular that I'm mentoring, and they're just doing some incredible work. What they're trying to do is actually use technology to measure DEI in the organization at any given point in time, and then understand how those initiatives that we've developed within our, call it diversity, equity, inclusion strategic plan, is making an impact. And being able to measure that in a really quantifiable way within the organization, but share that externally, being able to share, hey, here's what we're Here's what we've understood to be really important around diversity and inclusion within our community. Here's what we're ultimately trying to do. And here's how we're measuring toward that. Here's the progress that we've made. And so Mm. that's just one example. There's lots of exciting initiatives going on with diversity, equity, and inclusion right now. And cities are, in particular cities, are taking this stuff really seriously. Mm -hmm. How do you measure DEI. Like, obviously, this is like something that I think I know of just because in organizations, you see a huge representation of either males or maybe older gentlemen who are of white race. That's a very nice way of saying it. How do you measure that? Or what is the problem that they're trying to solve right now? That is a fantastic question. It'd be like me giving away Coke's secret sauce. (laughs) if I were to tell you how they did it. And I, in all honesty, I don't know the algorithm. (laughs) in which there's a number of questions that they ask, right? Survey. Mm -hmm. And then they basically consolidate that 
And then using an algorithm, they're able to quantify what they refer to as the Equiscore BI, right? And BI stands mm. for intelligence and that's trademarked. And so there's an algorithm behind all of this, but it's based off of a lot of data points that we're able to quantify DEI. And this is all new, right? And I think a lot of organizations are trying to figure out how do we know if we're making an impact in our DEI initiatives. And I think this is a great way to do that. And so I'm really passionate and excited for where this organization that I'm working with is heading. And they're certainly on the right path. And I think we'll start to see more and more of this, even at there's some initiatives that we're working on as a company with some universities across the United States and some really specialized organizations around how do we quantify trust in policing? And that's just one specific department, but it's a really important one. And that trust within the police department, same thing applies with a lot of these other different departments, but DEI specifically seems to be quite topical right now. And there's a lot of people putting brain power into trying to figure out how we quantify it and how we move the needle in that area. Mm-hmm. I want to jump into a rabbit hole that you've actually just alluded to, which is quantifying trust in policing. Okay. What is the situation or the problem that you're seeing and how are you trying to solve that? So the, yeah, the problem that we're seeing is what's the baseline as of right now within, I'm going to use a specific example, in a community. What's the baseline of trust that we have with our residents in the policing? And how do we make sure that we're hearing them and then call it a month from now, maybe that's in short order, but quarter from now, a year from now, how do we then look at all of what we've done and then at, and then score you know, trust? And is that improving? Because without trust, like every relationship, it doesn't work. And the same thing is in government with residents. And that's just so critical for us to live in a cohesive community and society And so it's really fundamental. And that's the problem is how do you measure trust and how do you make sure that trust is increasing and not decreasing? Uh, Mm -hmm. So you need to have a baseline in order to do. Yeah. And I know I've talked about measuring DEI. It's the same thing. And for Mm -hmm. us as an organization, we're in the business of helping organizations understand performance. And so you need to understand trust is a critical component of performance because with trust, you're able to then leverage that and learn more and your residents will be more open around how you continuously can improve the community. So anyway, it's something that we're pretty close to home for us. And there's a lot of other organizations that we partner with in order to do this. It's not just us that are thinking about this as of right now. Mm -hmm. When you say you measure trust, do you mean you provide surveys and people rate on on an NPS, a net promoter score or anything like that? Yeah. So again, I don't think, and maybe I should have made this explicit, like we haven't made a solution around this that's globally known. I think that Mm -hmm. the direction that we want to go is creating some national standard around this. There's specific organizations and one that comes to mind is the city of Tempe and they're based in Arizona. It's a pretty big size organization about a population of somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 and 200,000. And they developed a community safety strategic plan So they reached out to the residents, they worked within the organization and got police, fire, and a lot of other departments in the same room and said, how do we work more collaboratively together? 
and solve for some of the issues that we're seeing in our community around community safety. And out of that, they developed a plan. And one of the measures that is really important is police trust. So they've identified their own way of measuring police trust. And to your point, it's specifically based, once again, off survey of residents' survey results and different measures like time to arrive on scene for police response times, fire response times, right? All of those are so critical because if I make 911 call and I'm in an incident, if police isn't arriving on time, that could that could be a big problem. And so that is just one specific component of trust and how we measure that at the police level. So it's definitely a complex equation and I don't think anybody's quite figured it out. But we're certainly going to do our best to help these organizations that we're trying to partner with make sure that they're measuring what matters. And this certainly is one thing that that really is meaningful and can make a big impact. And so, like, I think I would add another layer of complexity, God, is with people answering surveys, they may not be answering it truthfully. There are other things that might affect them. They might be personally affected by some things, or they might rank it lower on the trust scale. Another thing that we've seen in research is people who do actually fill in these surveys are a certain demographic. It doesn't represent everybody. So that's another challenge in terms of quantifying trust. It's really hard. You're seeing it only from a subset, and they're not even necessarily objective. Such a valid point. Spot on right? There, there's so many more layers of complexity in terms of, yeah, the demographics of who you're mm-hmm. serving and the subjectiveness versus objectiveness and how do you counterbalance that into the equation. We have partnered with, for example, the University of Arizona, and we're taking a lot more academic approach to this because we're a private sector organization. You clearly need the academics to come in and say, hey, here's one way to look at it. Here's another way. Here's what I think you should take in consideration based off of research. We're trying to get as many uh, opinions on this and we, we don't have the answers. I don't think anybody necessarily has got the answers to this quite yet, but the good news is you've got people that are really passionate about this, this measuring of DEI, measuring of police and measuring all types of facets of governments. And a lot of the tech, the GovTech community is rallying behind this and providing the private sector support that's needed in order to make all of this come to fruition. Mm -hmm. I want to go into community building. What are the, again, the situations or problems that you're currently seeing within community building? Yeah, community building. One is the community needs to be heard. And so that's Mm -hmm. step one in community building. So there are, again, I'm going to connect this back to the GovTech world just because that's the world that I play in. But there's certainly Mm -hmm. a lot more just to discuss outside of the technology realm when it comes to community building. Uh, But there's there's technology solutions that have enabled governments to be more effective in engaging residents. Hopefully, everybody in the community has access to internet and can access the website online and surveys is one way. And to get your voice heard, right? Because you go back... 20 or so years there you really had to knock on doors and you know community residents had to participate in council meetings and really address their concerns and their issues nowadays there's the opportunity for your voice to be heard and you don't even need to leave your house and that's through technology so i think making sure that there's 
bi-directional communication occurring between the government agency and the residents, that helps build a sense of community, making sure that Vancouver does a fantastic job of this, right? They're green spaces. There's a really good book and it's escaping me, but it talked about the need for the way that urban design is set up that enables community. And that's stepping outside of the tech realm. So I'll jump back into the GovTech world, but there's just so many things that are at play when it comes to building communities. And that's literally what's on the minds of people that we speak with on a daily basis is like, how do we build a stronger community and a community in which everybody is thriving? And there's just so much going on. And yeah, it's important that all voices are heard, right? It really mm-hmm. is. That's becoming easier over time, but still there's a lot of voices that are still unheard in communities. And so there's still a need for public engagements in person, but also technology and providing different channels for everybody to, to have a sense of contri- contribution to their community because more we're connected, the stronger our community will be. Mm-hmm. Is there like an example that you could share of a problem or something that people are voicing a lot and the GovTech community has provided sort of some form of voice or enablement to solve this problem? Yeah, that's a great question. So one one project that comes to mind, Biden, and this is primarily in the United States. I don't know how much of your audience is going to be based in the United States, but the Biden administration had passed a $1 trillion infrastructure bill fairly recently over the past year or so. Don't quote me on that. But that is now there's a big focus on projects and residents are being impacted, right? highways, transportation, broadband, so many big investments are being made that are impacting, for example, individuals who own a house in a specific area. And there's a need for, again, connecting this right back to transparency, where residents wanted to know where are these projects at? What are the timelines for them? And how does this impact me? And you're seeing government agencies disclose and make it public and using geospatial maps and ways of communicating. And here are the projects on a map in your respective region of the city or the area that you live. Here are the projects that are underway. Here's everything you need to know about them. And here's the timelines and here's where we're at with those. That level of information is critical for a lot of people. And I think a lot of residents are wanting to know what are these projects that are coming down the pipeline. And that's just a really good example of how communities have adapted quickly to make sure that information is public and it's accessible online and you can get the answers to your questions pretty quickly. And if you need to reach somebody directly, they're providing that type of contact information as well. Mm -hmm. And I would assume that creating transparency would mean a lot of work because you would have to document everything. You have to share everything. I'm alluding now to the question of what are the challenges in GovTech? Yeah. (laughs) So if you're a GovTech founder or want to be a GovTech founder, I mean, there's a lot of red tape bureaucracy, as you would expect, in working Mm -hmm. with these organizations. But that, you know, things are slowly changing. And again, the pandemic has changed so much. And one of the areas that have changed 
is all of these organizations had to adapt overnight to online and working environments. And so they had to navigate the procurement cycle fairly quickly to just continue work, business as usual. And that kind of opened a lot of people's eyes that have been in these organizations and say, wow, we can move that quickly. We didn't even realize that our organization could make those shifts and those pivots and change on a dime like that. And so now you've got the aha moment of, wow, if we did that, what else is possible? And so now government technology providers are able to, when they are having quality conversations and are solving problems for these organizations, you you can work with them. I'm not going to say very quickly, but in a timeline that's much more efficient than it was in the past. So that's a big challenge in the past. And we're slowly starting to see it mitigate over time. What other challenges? Budget, right? It's obviously another Mm -hmm. challenge is, again, taxpayer dollars. So you've got to be very fiscally responsible where dollars are spent. And so you got to really understand the business case, the return on investment for the organization. And not all GovTech solutions are solving problems. I think there's vendors out there that are just looking at this as an opportunity and aren't necessarily getting to the crux of solving really fundamental problems for the organization. I think if you are a GovTech founder or looking to get into this space, just ensuring that you fully understand the problem that you're solving, the current state, future state, what's that gap and how do you fulfill that? If you are fulfilling that, this is a great place to be and unbelievable people to work with. But those would be probably two of the biggest challenges is the budget allocation and the procurement cycles. I want to actually want to go back to the benefits of GovTech. So the goal, correct me if I'm wrong, is to build trust, but to also provide transparency. Are there other things that the community really focuses on as well? I think, yes. So when you think of technology, I mean, for me, I think of technology itself, but there's also like a lot of change management and process Mm. within the organizations that has to change. And the benefits of some of the working with some of these tech providers is that they understand best practice of process changes and change management, which can also really shift the culture of these organizations as well. And I think that is really important to take in consideration as well as a really big benefit is some of these GovTech solutions can take you from A to B, not just with technology, but some of the services and some of the the culture change and navigating that accordingly, which can ultimately be very difficult, especially if you've been stuck in your ways and doing things for the the same way for decades. Mm -hmm. Which is, that's exactly why initially when I had this conversation about GovTech, I never really pictured the two together. I thought government was rather bureaucratic, slightly slower, while technology is known as disruptive, agile, and fast. So seeing them together was a very interesting field for me. So I love that you mentioned about process change management. So tech is seen as an enabler for creating positive change, which is such an awesome field to be in, I think. I shouldn't have said it the way that you said it. That was beautiful. (laughs) Now, moving on to the end, which is if we are not in GovTech Mm -hmm. and we do want to jump in, 
what can we do? It's a great question. I think there's lots of things we can do, right? Just getting involved in your community. And you can do Mm -hmm. that in various different ways. There's lots of volunteering. You can go to your community that you live in and search on the website to find volunteering. There's opportunities to get involved in that capacity. If you are interested in joining the GovTech, a GovTech organization, lots are growing right now. A good place to look is if you type into Google top uh, 100 GovTech companies, there's a list that GovTech magazine puts out every year, and you can skim through those, and it gives you a brief overview of, of really what they're trying to solve. And depending on which ones of interest you, I'd go to their website and search at their careers page. You might be able to find yourself a good gig if you do want to jump into the space. There's lots of meetup, actually civic tech communities. I joined one here in Vancouver, meet on a monthly basis, although when the COVID hit, I don't think they've been getting together as much as they were before, but it was just a great place to connect with like-minded people that wanted Mm. to get involved and, and have an impact on the community that they live in. And it's not necessarily from a technology perspective, but nonetheless, it's absolutely critical. So there's lots of ways... And I encourage you to, if, you, if this is of interest and you do want to be more involved, to take just take action, start with something small and see what comes of it. Mm-hmm. And if we're not part of the GovTech community or just the government in general, public sector, what can we do to be allies to help enable positive change? Yeah. Let your voice be known. And like we talked about some of those community engagement channels, if you have a strong opinion on something and you believe it it can have a positive change as you're referring to, don't hold back. The one thing I've learned over the course of my past seven years and working with a lot of these local governments is that they want their residents to engage with them. They're really always aspiring to try to get people to share ideas and be involved because ultimately they're the customer. And I think that's a great place to start is just reach out. And if there's surveys online, I know City of Vancouver, they have lots of subscriptions that you can sign to where you get emails and be involved and you can know what's going on in the annual budget and have an actually a vote on all of that, which I think is a great way to know what's going on and be involved. Mm-hmm. I want to finish off with my final question, which is seeing GovTech as a whole. So we've seen the shift of public work. So I think I'll use the example of the surveys, actually what you mentioned, and about complaints as residents. Back in the day, you to fill in a survey, people would have to go door to door, fill in a survey, and then submit and done. Now, with more digital transformation, you can see people, as you mentioned, now typing in their complaints or their surveys online. What do you think is the future of GovTech in this space? Whoa, that's a visionary question. What's the future? (laughs) Wish I had a crystal ball in front of me that showed me. I'll backtrack a bit here. I'm excited for the future. Like just seeing how much even money is being invested into the GovTech community and how passionate these folks are to solve big challenging problems that is alone going to make a a dramatic impact on on our future 
And if I think about technology and governments and how the two blend, as you refer to, we're starting already to see that. So now it's, I think the digital transformation is just beginning. And I think we're going to start to see the quality of services that we see on Airbnb and Uber and all of these technology companies that you click cut buttons and magic happens. We're going to start to see that now the in government services that we need on a regular basis and they're going to start to to streamline and become more efficient around that and we're going to benefit from it and that's my vision for the future and i hope hopefully it comes true i'm definitely an optimist but i love i love the space that we're in and GovTech's just getting started awesome thank you so much for such a great episode and for joining us here today such a pleasure to have you here yeah thank you so much and that concludes this week's episode. You can reach out to the speakers on their LinkedIn. All the links are in the description. If you like what you hear, feel free to download the episode, follow, or leave a review. We'll be back next week exploring a new industry. I'm Jacintha. Be sure to tune in. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>